another short week for me, but uh, while we're opening up on the intro, I want you to think about this. What is the purpose of a judge? What is the purpose of the Supreme Court? That's what I wanted to tackle in what will be this second edition of a Fritzcast Fritz Forward. So, tighten your seatbelt and get ready. This is Fritzcast Fritz Forward. And now to start the podcast with the open-ended question I ask every week, how are y'all doing? Like any of you can actually reply in real time or ever do. I feel the love. I have a Twitter, you know. You can tell me how you're feeling. You can answer the question. Every every time I post a damn episode, you could tell me how you're doing. It's the least that I ask of you. And I'm doing this on your behalf. Well, maybe not on your behalf. I'm doing it on my behalf. But I'm doing it for you for free. In any case, it's week two of uh, field training stuff for me, and that's awesome. That's cool. I've been like three or four weeks now school-free. It's amazing. I have no idea what to do with my time except picked up overtimes to make my wife happy. I hope you're happy, babe. Hopefully she is. I don't know. I try. I, I try to do my part. Regardless, had a pretty good uh, weekend Cleaned up the house a little bit, worked on the backyard even more because the weather is finally starting to break. It's finally starting to get out of the ridiculous zone. It's still there. I imagine it'll be there for another week or so, and then it'll be gone. But working on the garden is going to be kicking up soon, so plant some veggies, get some homegrown food in my backyard. That'd be nice. Be nice to roll into normal, regular bonfire season instead of just when the weather breaks and it's nice enough for a little bit. be nice to regular on the regular do that. But we did uh, did grill up some food on Friday. Went and saw the movie Logan, Luther and... Uh, Luther and Jay Sean, right? I almost gave away his last name. That would have been breaking, as they say in the wrestling world, kayfabe. That would have been like breaking news uh, release right there. Sorry, man. Sorry, Jay Sean. I would never drop your government last name on the program. Uh, we went to go see Logan, which, of course, is the uh, Wolverine movie. That's not a spoiler. Shouldn't be a spoiler. Uh, there are spoilers to be had, though, regarding it, but wow. It was it was amazing. It was well done. You know, not perfect, obviously, by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a thrill ride, entertaining as hell, and Luther almost killed a woman, which was entertaining as hell. Uh, interesting backstory there. You ever go to a movie, and, uh, I don't know, you're sitting in a row by yourself with your buddies, and then all of a sudden, some other people come sit in the row, and the people that come sit in the row are disrespectful as hell. They're loud, they're annoying, they're on their cell phones, they're laughing, they're hooting, they're hollering. And this is this is the movie Logan. Sure, maybe there's, as in with most superhero flicks, maybe there's a quip, maybe there's a funny part or whatever. And laughing is one thing. Breaking out loud and commenting on the movie out loud is another thing. And it pisses me off. And, and, and that, not only did that get set off, and Luther almost killed a person, uh, another man who <laughs> turned out to be a giant. 
Um, I'm trying to think of a word that's appropriate. Let's use one that the that our president of the United States would use. You again? She said he's a pussy. That's terrible. That that is terrible. That's terrible. Not my words. <clears throat> Not my words. But uh, other than that, I mean, you know, if you go to a movie theater, be be a little respectful of the fact that people probably spent, you know, ten dollars a ticket, maybe. What what is it like seven or eight or nine dollars a ticket? Nowadays to go to the movies, so be respectful of that, you little dips. And then if you can't back up your the stupid crap you're gonna say, here's a thought: just shut up, just shut up because you're just wasting air, valuable air that not everybody deserves. Clearly, you don't. But that that's beside the point. That's beside the point. So Logan was good, and then uh, this week, what is it? Later this week, I think. Uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, is released on home, uh, Blu-ray, DVD. It's out on digital now, but I'm not gonna buy digital. I'm not gonna buy the digital copy. I have a plan for all new Star Wars films. Get the Best Buy Steelbook editions of the Blu-rays. That way, they stand out from my other Blu-ray collection because they're gonna re-release everything else over and over and over again. And I'm done. I'm done buying things over and over and over again for like the third or fourth time. I'm done. So I have the uh, I have the Star Wars Saga Blu-ray set that they released before Disney bought it. Disney re-released it with different pictures and a different setup and all that jazz. And I wasn't interested. And I'm not interested in buying them all when they come out again. So just buy the steel books for the new ones. That's the plan. That's that's. I think that'll work out. Hopefully, at least, anyway. So, uh, since I've been on day work for the past week, uh, my my normal foray of media consumption has been a little up and down. Um, definitely haven't listened to as many podcasts or radio shows as I normally do. Definitely haven't watched as many video clips as I have. But I'll tell you what I did do uh, over the course of this past week. That's been very interesting, and it made me write out this thing, and I'm going to read some of what I uh, wrote out, because I put it in my email drafts. That's what happens when you get bored, and uh, that's what happens when you get bored and you're on a like a break period at work almost, right? Now, at the opening of the program, that was a mere like seven minutes ago, do you remember what I asked you to think about? Judges and the Supreme Court is what I asked you to think about. And there's a reason for that, because I listened to the Neil Gorsuch hearings. I did. I listened to the Neil Gorsuch hearings. And very interesting process. I've never really listened to a a Senate questioning session before. Surprising as that may be, considering Hillary Clinton had to sit through and, and, and testify. I listened to James Comey's. I think that was last week's too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was It was Monday during the day. I listened to some of James Comey's. That's because, you know, C-SPAN works wonders online. You can you can have access to it for free and, and all that jazz. I listened to these Neil Gorsuch ones. I think he was questioned for something like 20 hours. And uh, let me just read. Let me just read to you what I wrote here. Okay, so I'm reading from what I wrote. Forgive me for pauses or anything else. It shouldn't uh, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. Um, so what is the purpose of the Supreme Court? 
Uh, in my last week, I have been working 8 to 4, and therefore, I've had a break from my usual routine of soaking up podcasts and other news commentary. Instead, I listened in and focused on the hearings of Neil Gorsuch, President Trump's nominee to the Supreme Court. You'll recall this very vacancy came following the unexpected passing of Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia in February 2016. You remember that? Scalia passed away suddenly, uh, natural causes, and that left a vacancy in the Supreme Court. So Barack Barack Obama, President Barack Hussein Obama, nominated Merrick Garland to the position, but Senate Republicans refused Garland the benefit of a hearing. In fact, they stayed still as stone as the timeline dwindled and the expiration of the nomination had passed. So... We had a lot of inaction from Senate Republicans. We're not going to hear this. Uh, It is an election year. Obama has no right. And we're not going to hear it uh, because we should wait till the election's over. There's been this controversy a handful of times uh, in years past. And here's the thing. The Republican Congress, or, or Senate rather, it was very unprecedented to not give... Merrick Garland a hearing, and I was kind of against it at the time. Whether or not I I believe Merrick Garland was a good choice or not is beside the point. It was a precedent. Every accident, er, every accident, every accident, every action sets a precedent. Like, you have to think about every decision you make could be setting a new precedent in, in history retrospectively or, or or looking towards the future. <clears throat> so it's yet to be determined if that move was a nail in the GOP coffin or not. Though we can say it certainly drew criticism and it helped create, for lack of better terms, what I consider to be the big pissing contest we are seeing right now. My own senator this morning, Chris Coons, stated on Morning Joe to Joe Scarborough that uh, the the strategic Democratic play is being spearheaded by Chuck Schirmer, and that's to force Republicans into the nuclear option, that is, dropping the right to filibuster, or dropping the process of filibustering, something that, uh, you know, the Democrats did that, I think, years back, a a couple years back, with a couple of Obama nominees, they... They did the, uh, the the nuclear option that went to lower courts for decisions and, and things of that nature. So, um, anyway, uh, according to Chris Coons, the, 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 the strategy is to force Republicans into the nuclear options, option. Coons said of Gorsuch, quote, He is a charming man. He has a good resume. He has strong qualifications in terms of education, his service on the court. But he would be, by some measures, the most conservative justice on the Supreme Court. Now, that was a Washington Times article quoting him on Morning Joe. I don't know. I'll I'll cite the sources where I got it from. Okay, I got it from the Washington Times. So here's my my senator, Chris Coons, who, uh, my senator, I didn't vote for I didn't vote for you! I didn't vote for him, but he's my senator. He's essentially saying that, uh, and, and and I've noticed this attitude among a lot of Democrats and a lot of, you know, a lot of just normal people I'm watching. They're like, well, the Republicans did all this grandstanding and didn't even give Merrick Garland the benefit of a hearing. So therefore, screw Neil Gorsuch 
and President Trump's nomination pick. Screw that. For lack of, you know, for lack of better term or for lack of better way of saying it, that it, it, it's a pissing play, is it not? Chuck Schirmer, before there was even, right after Neil Gorsuch was nominated and before any hearings were even scheduled, uh, there was Chuck Schirmer. I played the audio clip, I believe, where he said, the threshold will be 60 votes. 60 votes to pass for Neil Gorsuch. It will be 60 votes, non-negotiable, blah, 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 blah. That was Chuck Shermer before there was even any hearing. So, Chucky Boy, who, uh, you know, I love Chuck Shermer, don't I? I bring him up so often on this program. Chuck, the, the Senate Minority Leader, is rolling with the punches and playing politics with it. And I, I've said this before. I think I addressed it a little bit. Uh, yeah. The Merrick Garland thing, sure, it wasn't fair. Um, that being said, it, it, it happened. It happened, and here we are now. So now all of a sudden it's, let's just, you know, let's just screw Trump and screw Neil Gorsuch, and uh, let's just do nothing. Or let's, let's, let's filibuster it. Let's, let's filibuster it. And, uh, and, and Coons, uh, you know, Chris Coons mentions, he, oh, he'll be one of the most conservative justices ever. He didn't, he didn't exactly say that. I'm exaggerating, but I don't care. Back to my written piece. And herein lies the problem with the politicization of the Supreme Court. This is something that's been uh, discussed, debated. Uh, These are criticisms of the Supreme Court that have been going on for the better part of a decade or more. Uh, A 2010 New York Times article penned by Liptak, a guy named Liptak. I should have put his first name in here. Sorry, I'll be more professional next time. He looks at data from the Vanderbilt Law Review stating, quote, the rise of, quote, politically oriented practice groups, the study, the study said, reinforces the impression that the court is a, quote, super legislator responding to ideologic arguments rather than a legal institution responding to concerns grounded in the rule of law, end quote. It's a New York Times article. Just look up New York Times, Liptak, L-I-P-T-A-K and clerks. That whole article is about law clerks for the Supreme Court and how the Supreme Court justices tend to pick these law clerks that fit their political aspirations or views or, or what have you. It, it, showed, it showed that, for example, Antonin Scalia, the people that progressives love to hate on right now, Antonin Scalia, for a good length of time, before he was a Supreme Court justice, all his clerks were a mix of Republican and Democrats. He actually went out of his way to get some of the op- some of the opposition to be his clerks, which makes sense. It helps you understand the other side and helps you, I, I suppose, or I presume, pen a better opinion. This article was also re- very revealing. It was a it was a 2010 New York Times article, mind you. 
very revealing in the fact that a lot of the Supreme Court opinions aren't even really wholly penned by the justices, but rather they're law clerks. It's passed on to the 26 or 27-something-year-olds. Just for perspective, I'm 27 and I'm just learning how some of this stuff works. They're the ones poring over these case laws, these books, these, these other court rulings, and, and writing decisions on cases. Um, big cases of the United States. Check out that article because it's full of other information. Continuing with my reading. I have read arguments from Democrats, liberals, progressives, whatever you may want to call the collective philosophy that leans to the left of the spectrum. And I simply do not understand wherein the Supreme Court is thought to be the lawmaking body, a body where ideologies are, try, are tried and pushed forward. I have always understood the role of the Supreme Court of judges to be interpreters of written laws it stands. It's not a question of agreeing with a law or disagreeing with a law, nor changing a law, as those are determined by the legislative branch. The people we actually listen to and send to leadership positions. I'm, I'm stumbling over my words today, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If we do not like a law, or feel a law needs to be rewritten for clarification, or to change it, we solicit the legislative branch. The judicial branch, the Supreme Court, those justices, that is to interpret the law as written and the constitutionality of laws, which, which begs a new question. How is any law being passed in this day and age where it is constitutionality could be called into question? In this day and age where we're forward thinkers, we could say we need to write a law and ensure that there is no different interpretation of it. Is that not kind of ridiculous? This 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 very practice leads us to articles like uh, from the L.A. Times editorial board where they blatantly admit it's not Neil Gorsuch's fault because the GOP refused to issue Merrick Garland a hearing. We must now have a tit-for-tat by Democrats to force the GOP to drop the filibuster. It's like a game of chess with all these people. The fact that the Republicans block Garland, well now the Democrats need to step up and fling whatever whatever poo they can at the fire to see what sticks. During these hearings, I, I saw Democrats poking and prodding and trying to get Neil Gorsuch to say, well, do, did you agree with that law, though? They, they would ask him a question like, well, you ruled this way. Why did you rule this way? And... Gorsuch would sit there and he's an I think he's very good oratory presence. I mean, he can sit there and he can talk and describe things and explain things. People probably don't like his demeanor because it's very oh 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 senator. I I absolutely I'm I'm glad you asked that question. Let me clarify. That's how Neil Gorsuch talks. He, he it's it's very like it's almost in questions almost. But he would sit there and he would pontificate on uh, whatever the subject was. And he would he would sit there and he'd say, this is the way, th this is the law as it's written. And in this case, the law was this. And then 
some of these Democratic senators would go as far as to say, well, but how did you feel about that law? It's not about how he feels about that law. It's not, that's not the purpose of the Supreme Court or the justices or the justices or the judges. Their job isn't to sit there and go, well, that's a stupid law. I'm going to bang the gavel and I'm going to strike the law down. No. That's not his job. His job is, you know what, that law might be stupid, but in terms of constitutionality, it falls in line. It's not violating the Constitution or anything. And we have majority opinions on that and everything. They were asking Neil Gorsuch how he felt about a law. That's, that's blatantly violating the purpose of, of the judge to who, who really is supposed to hear the terms of the case, what happened, and then look at the law and see if the law was applied in the wrong way, misinterpreted, or misused. That's it. That's it. You want to change a law, that's what you people questioning Neil Gorsuch do. That's what the Senate does. That's what the House does. You sit there, you propose laws. You repeal laws. That's what you do. That's what we elected you for. Or did you forget that? Actually, a lot of people did forget that. A lot of people in that zone are nothing more than fundraisers. They're really good at raising the funds. They get their positions. And then they go to Washington. And maybe they give a soundbite here or there. And they don't do much else for you, for me, for the nation. Which is what their job is. Their job, I'm sorry, your job is to show up. Uh, it, it is not by any stretch of the imagination. I can't imagine it's that hard to go into a building and debate and discuss potential laws. Not in my mind, at least anyway. Compared to, I don't know, there's lots of other physical labor jobs and demanding and taxing jobs around here. And you have a problem sitting and, and you have a problem showing up for your votes all the time. But I'm different complaint for a different day, obviously. You're not supposed to ask the judge how he feels about that law. That's the law that's on the books. If we think that's a stupid law, you get enough people in Congress to agree with you. And you repeal the law. Or you replace the law. Or you redefine the law. Whatever it is. And you do it within the terms of the Constitution. Why did the Supreme Court become such a power-hungry super-legislator? It's not supposed to be. And that's where this bickering back and forth... This... this the Supreme Court is becoming a, a court of ideologies and, and how to push ideologies forward. No, you don't do that. In, in, you don't do that in the judicial branch. Sorry, you don't. You do that in the legislative branch. That's what the system of checks and balances is for, remember? I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just uh, stupid. I'd like to think I'm not, but... Maybe it is. Maybe it is. So, the question is now, are the Democrats filibustering? Is it going to work out for them? Or is Gorsuch going to pass? Because, for all intents and purposes, even even um, th 
the, even the Washington Times and even some other um, more left or liberal sources that I'm reading pretty much point to all facts that Gorsuch is hard to block because at the end of the day, he's the guy that sat there and said, we interpret things off of what the law is. And if you don't like the law, well, then that's what you legislators take care of. So, that's kind of ridiculous, right? And the thing about this, the GOP, well, we'll call it Trump and, and Paul Ryan. They tried pushing forward the American Health Care Act, a, 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 a bill in which Thomas Massey called a, a, a steaming pile of garbage. The House Freedom Caucus stood up, fought against that, shot it down. You can read all these other commentaries about how people say, well, the, the House Freedom Caucus shot, shot it down because it's not uh, regressive enough and it doesn't trample on enough people's rights. And, and, oh, you know what? I'm not having the debate on whether health care is a fundamental human right right now. I'm not going to do that because I need this to be a shorter episode. But needless to say, the House Freedom Caucus stood up and the GOP, Paul Ryan, they pull the bill before it can even be voted on because it was a steaming pile of crap. Now, a lot of people can speculate, and you can too, you can speculate, and I speculate that it was done that way on purpose. It was written to be a pretty bleh bill that probably wouldn't pass. Why? Because, think about this, it's win-win for Trump. If he passes it, he got a bill passed. He repealed Obamacare, whoop-de-doo. That's me hand-clapping hand claps all around, that would have happened. Now it doesn't, and Obamacare sits there. Uh, not Obamacare. Uh, it's probably hitting at people's nerves, and I'm, I'm considerate of the feels, I guess. So, the ACA sits where it's at right now. Now Trump can literally say, let's sit back. The ACA is going to end up taking a giant poop. And then we can say, look, the Democrat, the Democrats failed. The House Freedom Caucus blocked my bill. Now we have to really reform health care and we got to do it during a sucky time. Something like something along those lines. He's a strategist. He comes out. Guess what? He doesn't come out the loser in this case. He comes out. Mm, I'm not even going to say the winner, but he comes out on neutral ground to be determined, we'll say. That's where that stands. And and for people who want to say, well, there's not problems with the ACA, why is Bernie introducing a new health care bill? Why is Rand Paul introducing a new health care bill? Why are other Democrats and, and other organizations, why are they sitting here trying to figure out anything else to do other than keep or tweak or amend the ACA? Because they're not. Okay, Bernie Sanders is introducing his Medicare for all. Uh, I think that's the guys and the idea of a single-payer system. I'm not so hot on the idea. But that that's me. Because I'm not one of the people that say, well, you know, health care is a fundamental human right. I think the idea is way blown out of proportion in today's day and world. You have a lot of healthy or healthier young people who don't feel the need to participate in such programs. That's not to say that they're heartless. The other thing that I hate is how absolute and, and divided this world has to be. That if you don't support the ACA, single-payer, or some kind of communal 
nationwide, nation-run, government-sponsored health care that you are somehow heartless and want millions of people to die. Uh, I don't think that's the case. I don't think anybody's sitting here thinking like, oh, all these people should just die. I, I, I don't foresee that. I don't see that as a thing. But, that being said, clearly the ACA has shortcomings and people are trying to introduce different legislation to completely take it off the books anyway. So I, I don't understand the controversy. I don't. There'll be more on that later. There was two more things I wanted to comment on, and I'm pulling up my email, so forgive me for a minute. Oh, no, there was only one more thing I wanted to cover on. Tommy Laren. You know Tommy Laren? She is the blonde, prissy, uh, boastful, in-your-face, controversial, conservative commentary chick. She's like 25 years old. She's a couple years younger than I am. And she's gotten famous. She got famous off her ranting little videos on Facebook. Uh, Final thoughts with Tommy. She got picked up by Glenn Beck and The Blaze. The Blaze TV, The Blaze Media Network. I think that's what it is. Blaze Incorporated. In any case, she got picked up for that. She's very controversial. She's very um, loud, spouty, in-your-face. Uh, always rants on some kind of topic. All right, now I have a Blaze subscription. I got that for Christmas. So I've been listening to Tommy's show occasionally. I'll just boot it up because it's there. It's on the Blaze. I'll watch it, whatever, because I need to hear a different viewpoint and different opinion. And I always considered her to be uh, way on the extreme Republican, conservative, right-wing, whatever you want to call it. I always considered it to be very, very uh, extreme in that. There was a lot that I didn't agree with Tommy Laren about. She was on that aspect. She was throwing that out there. Okay, so what was it? Last year, during up through the election, she was very adamant about being pro-life, going as far as calling abortion baby killing and, and I think it was like baby genocide, something along those lines. A couple weeks ago, she goes on The View. And on The View, she says, well, I'm pro-choice. I'm a constitutionalist. And to to like the Constitution, you have to be pro-choice because you can't be pro-life because then you're talking about regulating a woman's body, and I believe you can't do that. And the, the conservative world, A, blew up because just a couple months ago, she's spouting about how abortion is baby murder, which... We can have that discussion on this program at a later time. That's a whole other can of worms, if you know what I mean. She, literally, the whole nine yards with that hardcore conservative following of abortion is wrong, abortion is wrong, abortion is wrong. Then all of a sudden she's on The View in front of a large national audience with these women and says... Well, I'm pro-choice. Yeah, I'm I'm pro-choice because it would be hypocritical of me to not be pro-choice. And then she gets suspended from the blaze. And now there's literally dozens of commentaries you can read about how Glenn Beck must be a hypocrite. Glenn Beck is punishing Tommy Laren. Glenn Beck can't stand it. You know, all this all this jazz. 
And I could, at first, when I heard that the Blaze had suspended her, which is initially what happened, the Blaze suspended her, I thought if that's just over the abortion flip or the fact that she supports abortion, then that's wrong, and and the Blaze and Glenn Beck has lost some respect, respect in my eyes. However, let's take a look at the big picture here. She's been spouting completely the opposite stuff all the way up till now, and then she's on The View, and, and magically, stunning revelation comes to her. All the stuff I was saying about baby killing and, 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 and baby murder and, and all this jazz, yeah, I'm pro-choice. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to belittle a woman for choosing to, to uh, abortion. Um, because that would be it would be hypocritical of me as a constitutionalist to say that I should and the government should have control over a woman's body. Tommy Laren, let let's set the record straight. Tommy Laren got the boot from the Blaze, and not really. I mean, it, the Blaze did it in such a roundabout way they could have just fired her. The, people are going to spin it the way they want to spin it anyway. Glenn Beck spoke out against Tommy Laren in this move because clearly, clearly, she is an opportunist. Clearly, she will do whatever it takes to advance her career, even if that means a couple months ago she was spouting about baby killing, and now she's all, it's not baby killing, that's, uh, I'm pro-choice. She's an opportunist. She took... A chance to advance her career for whatever purpose, meaning that her principles are on shoddy territory. Because if you can flop like that instantaneously, sidebar, it would be a different story if she said, I've had a change of heart. It'd be a different story if she cited some things as to why she changed. But she didn't. She didn't. And clearly, She's just playing a game with it. So the Blaze suspends her. Then the the Blaze bans her for life. So obviously, what's Tommy going to do? Just stay a member of the Blaze but be banned for life? No, okay, I'm I'm out. Deuces. So what's in the future for Tommy Laren? Um, I'm not going to say she's completely lost all credibility. In fact, she's gained some sympathy from people. Uh, over this, over how the Blaze could punish her for for supporting abortion, which isn't what happened. I don't understand how people can't take a step back and just look at the bigger picture real quick. Just a quick glance at tweets from Tommy Laren to see that she completely 180 and is full of crap. So, those are my final thoughts. Not to steal from her shtick, but those are my final thoughts on the situation. So, guys, it's been 35 minutes. I think I did a pretty good little jam-packed episode of the FritzCast here. Do me a favor. Comment on this. Like it. Share it on your social media. I'm at FritzQS, F-R-I-T-Z-Q-S, on the Twitter. The FritzCast Facebook page is on Facebook.com slash TheFritzCast. It's available on SoundCloud.com slash FritzCast. iTunes, just search FritzCast. Google Play Music, just search FritzCast. Stitcher, 
and probably a plethora of other places. I don't know, okay? Do me a favor, though. Share it, comment on it, like it, tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. And as always, I'll see you next week. And next week is gunning to be a regular episode, so it'll probably be a full hour. Pay attention to what's coming up. Love, peace, chicken grease. Love you all. See you later.